Hey everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Working Humans. Uh, my name is Matt Phelan. I am here with the amazing Arlette Benson from Copenhagen, and I think we're going to broadly call this the Danish episode. Um, how are you, Arlette? I'm great, thank you. The sun is shining here in Copenhagen, so I'm even happier today. <laughs> Good to hear, Arlette. And um, our viewers can't see you, but um, uh, we just did a quick Google Hangout. I'd love you to describe that amazing wall that you've got behind you, Arlette. <laughs> it's it's a bookshelf, but mostly filled with the vinyls, a lot of music. I love music. Listening to music just makes me happy. Even when I'm in a bad mood, I can find the right music to to accomplish that. So, so I really love music. It's an important part of my life. I'm going to hit you with a non-pre-planned question. Um, if you had to pick one of those uh, vinyl records out from behind you to describe your life, what what one would you pick? <laughs> oh, maybe it should be "Don't Worry, Be Happy." Oh, I like that. Is that actually yeah. up there? Is that actually it up is, there? Of course it is. Really it's, is. There's so many classics. I love that. So, who, yeah. who, um, who, who actually originally sung that out of interest? I can't remember. Yeah, what's his name? Um, let me Google uh, it. Yeah, I do that. Don't worry. Be, be happy. happy. All our listeners are just la- are screaming down the phone at us, aren't they? Saying, how do these idiots not know? And we sh- yeah, we should know. I'm not good with memory. Uh, Bobby McFerrin was the Bobby original. Bobby Apparent, so, Apparently, yeah. but I don't, I don't know that. That's just Google. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I've sidetracked you, Arlette. We've got uh, 18 minutes. I've got loads of questions to ask you. Um, but first off, we have to kick off. Uh, we want to get to know you, Arlette. What, what makes you happy? There's so many things that makes me happy, but uh, so thank you for that question. Um, Small things actually makes me happy. When when you said that you would ask me that question, I could have like written a book about things that makes me happy. So it it can be things from, you know, walking on the street, smiling and people and them smiling back. It can be working with happiness as I do and really, really, hear from people that you made a difference in their life because that's what when I work that's what makes me going it's knowing that I'm making a difference in other people's lives but I also enjoy it makes me happy to go to a concert it makes me happy to hang around with friends in Denmark we we really see friends often in our houses where we have this hygge where we you know hang out have some food or just drinks or just hang out in the garden. So that's what I really enjoy doing. That makes me happy. I love it. We've got Mike, your friend, Mike Viking, coming on to discuss Hygge, actually, in a couple of episodes' time. Oh, he could tell um, you all about Hygge. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, I do want to ask you before Mike comes on, I want, to, I want you to, to bust a myth here. So obviously the data often shows, doesn't it, countries like the Nordic countries are often happier and, and Denmark's often right up the top there. Um, but the question I have for you, are Danes really happier than other countries? Do you, do you believe the data? I actually do not believe the data. Oh, uh, controversial. Ooh. I didn't know you were going to say that, Arlette. Yeah, I know. We are happy, but mostly I would say we are satisfied. Uh, and if you kind of look into the questions that they actually ask in those surveys, 
Yeah. It's not directly if we are happy. It's how safe it is to to um, to live in Denmark. Like uh, if you get unemployed, you will actually get help from the government. Uh, we pay high taxes, but we have free health uh, uh, health care. So so compared to all that, that's what. It, what's important for the Danish people. It's that we have a safe country. If we are unemployed, we will still get help. Uh, I often hear, even from British people coming to Copenhagen, why don't you lock your bikes? Why don't you, how come you leave your kids strollers outside of restaurants and cafes? How can you do it? And it's because that's what we do. It's a safe country. Yeah. So, so we are, we, we are mostly satisfied, I would say, but okay. also most of the time we are happy surveys where people, where they actually ask about happiness. Mm. We see that the happiest people are in South America. So, yeah. yeah. And that's not due to, they have a lot of money. Some of those countries are really poor. But they, I think what you see there is they have great relationships. They have close relationships. Yeah. Wow, we need to do a whole episode on that, Arlette. But I need to ask you about another thing that you taught me about. Um, you were the first person to introduce me to a word that I'm going to say, and then you're probably going <laughs> to laugh. No. Tell us how to pronounce it. But, but you gave me the history of it and everything. So um, can you explain Arba's Giba? <laughs> Did I say? Did you understand what I just said? You you for, you forgot to smile when you say said the last part of the word because it's arbetsglil. Arbetsglil. Glil. Glil. Yes, exactly. Arbetsglil. That's perfect. Great, thanks. I feel like I'm fluent <laughs> in Danish now. <laughs> so if I, if I, if I translate it directly, arbeit is work, and glil is happiness. So it's work happiness. So, so this word, we actually use that in Denmark. And it's not only us working with the topic. It's a word that you hear people, people use. Companies will use it. Even the Danish prime minister has thoughts about that we need more Arbeitsglede. We need more work happiness in the Danish companies. So this is a word that we actually use in Denmark. And, and actually all over Scandinavia, all the Scandinavians countries have this word arbeitsglue what i found fascinating um when i met you Arlette, and we went to that um conference and i was with jens who, who launched our operation there yeah yeah um, is that in different countries when we introduce the happiness index we have to there's a, often a preamble around why the company exists um and like when we're in america it's more um around like how it can help performance at work when we're in Germany, it's more about the data behind and the evidence behind it as examples. Um, but in when we did our sort of presentation to people in Denmark and companies in Denmark, they sort of laughed at the first bit because they just took that for granted. Like, it just seems stupid that you would have to explain to someone that being happy at work is important. Um, and do you think that's because of Arbus Gleal? I, I think it is. It, 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 it's something that we had for, I would say, close to 100 years now that companies found that if they have happy workers, workers that go to work and know that they do a meaningful work, they are proud of the job that they're doing, and they also have great relationships to their coworkers and to their immediate boss, uh, 
then they actually do a better job. Yeah. And, and when companies found that out, uh, everything changed because people, when they look for a job, they wouldn't always try to see, okay, how is it, how is it, how is the, the culture in this workplace? Will I fit yeah. in here? Otherwise they will do something else because they not, they will never just take a job for the job description. They will also look at the culture. Yeah. I love, I love that. I'll let, um, but a personal one for you, why you start, I suppose you started to tell us a little bit about this, but why do you work in happiness? How does, how does someone start working in happiness? <laughs> Often I hear from people is that when they start doing this and it kind of is the same in my case, that if you had a job where you really found I could do this better, this is not how you should handle a company. Um, so having different jobs where you actually seen leaders and managers not coping with the happiness at work in the right way, you actually yeah. think, okay, maybe I should go and teach people because this is really important. So, so luckily enough, I, I started my own company many years ago, and then I met this amazing guy called Alex Kjærhoff who has uh, started a company. And this is now like more than 16 years ago that he started a company that he called Woohoo Inc. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, after working as a consultant for him a few times, he, he hired me and I was working in his firm for 10 years. And what I really learned there is what we also can find of different science that actually looks into what does it do to companies if we have had if we create a happy workplace yeah so there's a lot of science behind this too this is not just a feeling some people say okay i'm a company and i want to uh, i'm a manager and i i want to to create a successful company so what we tell them is if you start creating a happy workplace it will the possibility that it will become successful is higher because you have people who actually will walk the mile for you. They, they will feel that the company is a part of their family and they will do everything to create a successful company. Yeah, um, so, so good to hear, Ale. And um, I just want to talk about, um, so what year was that when you said that you joined Wo Woohoo? That was in 2010. Okay, and I, I just want to run something by you around that you said to me when, when we met in Copenhagen. Um, one of the reasons we started the Happiness Index is that we believed in the philosophy, but we didn't think there was enough evidence and data out there. So mm -hmm. we wanted to bring more and ever evidence and data to the conversation, but, but, but really analyse it and look at and test stuff like you did on the Is Denmark Really the Happiness Place? One of the, one of the things that we're going to cover in this book, and I, my own... I always find the more I learn about happiness, the less I feel I know about it. I don't know if you have that same experience. <laughs> yeah, because there, there, are, there are now more and more science. In the beginning, the science was mostly about happiness in general. Uh, and some science was made with school kids. But now more and more science are actually in the workplace. So it's changing all the time. And it's really interesting to follow what's happening. And, and one thing that we've started to see, because we've started to use a lot of neuroscience, um, then one thing I've started to talk about more is it's important not to 
it's important to understand high and low happiness, but it's important not to see high happiness as good and low happiness as bad. And the reason I say that is because it's really important to understand that an emotion has peaks and troughs and ups mm. and downs, and it's natural. Um, and I realised that it's actually almost unhealthy to, to, to get too obsessed when things are bad or good. Um, have you got any views on that, Alex? Um, this is another non-pre-planned question that just came out of my head and I've chucked at you. Yeah, I totally agree because sometimes we actually hear, oh, at the time we are not as happy as we used to be and this is a big problem. And as we see the workplaces, it's not only this year, now we have COVID-19. Of course, there's a yeah. lot of changes, but also... And last year, we, we heard that a lot of companies are in big changes. And during a big change, happiness at work will actually drop. Yeah. So it will decrease. So, and, and I think it's important to talk about that. It's, that it's totally normal that it will not be on a scale from 0 to 10. It will not be on a 9 or 10 all the time. It yeah. will drop and that's just normal. But then it's important to talk about it and to see, okay, why is it that we dropped in our happiness at work? Is it something we can do about something yeah. about or no? We at the moment we're in our busiest period of the year. So we know that in two weeks things will calm down and it will be better and we will again have even more time to spend time with each other, work on the relationships with our colleagues. Yeah. And relationships are really important. It's not only about being proud of the work that you do, doing something meaningful, but working on the relationship, having great relationships in the workplace is so important for happiness at work. So important. And and we, no, I'm pleased. Sorry, yeah. I like Karen. And it's just, I heard now uh, during COVID-19, where a lot of people work from home, that was the big thing missing. Yeah. It was relationships. Yeah. I totally, no, totally. And we're seeing this in our data, actually. Um, and, and as you say, I mean, across, I think, 86 countries that we were analysing, um, happiness at work dropped by about 20% on a 10-point scale. Um, but it's trying to understand that, isn't it? Is it, is it because someone doesn't have, have help with childcare or is it because they miss the office? Um, and it's an opportunity to learn, isn't it? Uh, can, you please, uh, come, can you please say that again? So what was your question? When you've got fluctuations in happiness, yes, um, I was saying I see it as an opportunity to learn. Um, do you see that when you're working with your with your clients? Uh, I uh, I see that not with every client client, but yes, some clients I will actually see that that it, it, that's the case. But often I think just the awareness it's the important thing here that being yeah. aware that happiness at work is important uh, and management often forget about this yeah so so um happiness at work will will actually really increase if you talk to the management about how important it is how they manage so not that it's not only about numbers and statistics and kpis but yeah. it's also about that people have an overall sense that they actually enjoy their time. They feel personally driven and they feel that they flourish at their work because that's what we want. We want to do a good job. Yeah. So that's what management should help with. Make 
people flourish. Yeah, I love, I love that. It's just such a good visual way of, of saying it, isn't it? Um, it's so interesting. This isn't a humble brag, but I just read out a tweet that we uh, got from one of our clients on the free version. It just says, thanks to Happiness Index, we found that our team reports lower happiness scores on days that we can't work out, so do fitness. Mm. Um, so we're now offering to pay for virtual and outdoor exercise prices that they want to do. Um, and then they're, they're asking the question, but I found that fascinating because that's an example of it. And finding a negative out and turning it into a positive because there's a little bit of data there around unhappiness that they've that they've turned on its head to to show that their team that they care that's 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 amazing because what how do they i think the question is how do they work out do they do it together because again then it i for me it makes even more sense because we all know that uh, it's motivation uh science also that that we cannot just sit all day we need to to move we need to yeah you know feed our brain we need a break and exercise is an amazing way to do it so yeah. and but exercise with your colleagues is even better right yeah i think that's the second podcast we need to record i think there's a whole section on that <laughs> yeah, totally um i'll let you've uh, you've got one of the best job titles in the world right but um everyone is listening wants to know what does a chief happiness officer in Denmark actually do <laughs> as a chief happiness officer you are responsible not for making everybody happy but you're responsible for creating things that people can join so they will become happy at work so often I hear companies ask me oh so if I become a chief happiness officer it's my responsibility to make everybody happy and I yeah. say no of course it's not but, but it's you that will like consult people like me. It's you who will ask people to come with some ideas and you will kind of like be the one to arrange things and set them up. So, so it's not your entirely you yourself that will be in charge of it, but you will be the planner. So you're the planner of happiness things in your company. I love that. I, I just hope there's people listening that think, yeah, actually, I'm going to change my career and I want to be a chief happiness officer. Yeah, Thanks I do it part time. <laughs> That's keep good advice, job, isn't it? Keep your job and ask your, your boss if you could actually just spend one day a week or one day every second week on being a chief happiness officer. Yeah, I love that. That's, That's really good practical advice, Arlette. Um, Final question, um, which is one thing that, I know you're passionate and I'm passionate about, which is the evidence and data. Because oh, I, rem yeah. I, I remember as I left you after we'd had our coffee, I said something like, what do we need to do as a, as a collective, as an industry more? And you said, there's a lot of great philosophy and TED Talks out there where you can listen to people that are inspirational that say, um, yeah, go and, go and create a happy workforce, blah, 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 blah. But there's still more data and evidence that, that, that's needed. Um, Part of this process of writing the book is anyone that's got data and evidence on a meeting and interview, well, meeting virtually and, and, and discussing like this. Um, that was probably oh, probably 12 months ago, maybe when that conference was, maybe less. I'm, I, everything's merging into one in COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but um, have you seen any new data and evidence come out um, recently that you want to point us towards? Uh it's a long time I've seen some very new data, but one of my favorite ones that I really love going back to at 
every time I mention it, mention it to clients, uh, I see that it really works. And it's the progress principle. Yeah. Um, Please tell us about that, Arlette, for those <laughs> that don't know. That's a great book out there. If you haven't read it, do so. Uh, I can highly recommend it. But it shows that one of the most important things for motivating us that will actually even make us happier it's knowing that we are doing a meaningful uh, progress so not that we end our job or we have our final goal but meaningful progress doing meaningful progress is so important it motivates us and it makes us happy and this science also show that just even the small wins during a work day or work week will increase our performance. Yeah. So, and, and, and if there are any managers out there listening, they want to see performance. They want people to be more productive. And what I see managers forget is to communicate the meaningful progress. So they look at the KPIs and we talk about, okay, we, uh, we are behind, uh, here we didn't reach the goals here blah 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 but talking about the progress that you're making in the process that they forget to talk about and and that's really a tip for all managers or even if you you you, if you work in a team within your team do this talk about the meaningful progress that you that you're creating i love that i wonder if that's why apps like strava work because they almost give you your data on, on how much spiking or how much fitness you've done. And it, it makes you see that because sometimes you can't see the progress yourself, can you? Because you're not measuring it. Exactly. And I, want, I wonder if there's an element of that in, in, in why those apps have been so successful. I, I, I totally agree because that's what we want to see, that, that we are making a difference. And uh, in many jobs, you're kind of like in the middle. So you deliver your work to some colleagues and they will finish up uh, the project or whatever and they'll be the one seeing the big goal and probably they'll be the one getting the good feedback as well so so when you're working like that it's really important to to see okay we didn't succeed yes but what worked well what did we do well until now how can we use that so even evaluating the things that you did that really work well is really important. Yeah. Well, Arlette, we need to go into closing. I've learned so much from you. I hope it makes you happy. But one of my long-term goals for the Happiness Index is that we can open up an API to all our data so that actually data scientists across the world can look at the anonymous data and start to analyze it so that we end up getting more science and more data coming out on a regular basis. Because at the moment, I feel like the Happiness Index is a bottleneck because we've got all this data, but we're working on our clients. And I feel like if we could open it up to the world, it means, for example, a data scientist in Shanghai could start analyzing the data um, and, and bringing their own theories and, and, and science out on it. So hopefully we can get to do that, Arlette. You're doing a great work already, but that would be amazing if we could do that as well. So yeah, good luck with just, that. Do yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> my, my, some of my team will be listening to this going, oh, Matt, please don't say that. We need to get this year out of the way first, but we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> but I'll I'll just finish by saying thank you so much for taking the time out. Um, As ever, from meeting you, I've learned so much. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.
Thanks, Arlette. Good luck with everything and hopefully see you in the real world soon. I hope so too. Okay. Cheers, Arlette. Have a Bye. nice day. Bye.